Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Today, I'm really excited about what I want to share. And the title of my message is simply this, that context is crucial. Context is crucial. This morning, I want to try and tie our morning theme, which has been the Word of God, with our evening theme, which has been misused words. And hopefully we can tie those two together and kind of bring this series to an end as we move into our next series next week. And I want to talk about one of the most misused verses in the Bible. And hopefully what it will do is help us appreciate the Bible more and interpret it better. I hope our appreciation grows and our interpretation of the Word of God gets better. And before I read what this misused verse is, I just want to let you all know that Pastor Ben Mays in New Zealand shared a great message as part of this series on 10 practical things we can do when it comes to reading the Bible. And I thought it was so good. He's the teaching pastor and he's the one who looks after the life college, leadership college in New Zealand. And he's a great teacher of the Word of God, has an incredible understanding of God's Word. And I thought if every one of you got a hold of that and had a listen to that, it would really help set up your week and your understanding of what it is to embrace and get the maximum understanding from the Word of God. So please take advantage of that. That would be awesome. Uh, Today, we're going to look at John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, this is Jesus speaking. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. There are a lot of misused verses in the Bible, but I think this one is right up there in the top five. It's probably in the top three. It may even find itself at number one position. Ask anything you want in my name and so shall it be. What an awesome scripture. What a, I mean, did you just think about the implication of that? Whatever you want. Yeah. Jesus, I want a red Ferrari. <laughs> Jesus, give me a million dollars. Jesus, there's this girl, she's hot. She doesn't seem to know I exist. Change that, Lord. (laughs) I mean, after all, what the Word of God says is ask whatever you want and Lord, I want it. I desire it. Hey, Lord, got a loved one. They're dying. Will you heal my loved one? Sadly, those prayers often don't get answered the way we want them to be answered. You know why I know that and how I know that? Because I've prayed them just like you have. I've prayed for the red Ferrari. Got a red stinger, but not a red Ferrari. (laughs) 
I can do with more money in my bank account, as you can. I'm sure we'd all like a bigger, nicer, newer home. Uh, I'm sure there's someone maybe in our life we'd like to get to know a bit better. My youngest daughter just watched the Beckham documentary with us and, and she looked at the young boy, the young son, who's not married. And I think under her breath, she prayed a prayer, Father. <laughs> and, and I can honestly say, as a pastor of many, many years, I've prayed for many loved ones not to die, only to bury them. And that has happened way too many times to my liking. In actual fact, as a young pastor who hadn't even been leading the church two years, in the first two years of me leading a church, I performed one wedding and four funerals. And it was at the time when there was a film out called Four Weddings and a Funeral. I thought, I wouldn't have minded that, but I got four funerals and a wedding. Crazy. And so I've had my fair share of loss. And, I, and, I, and I've read this passage of Scripture over and over and over again. Now, when you read a passage of Scripture like this and your life isn't landing in accordance with what you've just read, either the Scriptures are lying or there's something we are missing. Either the Scriptures are false and we should throw them out and we're all wasting our time being here this morning if that's the case. Particularly on a beautiful day like this. Or we need to get greater understanding. And, and that's what I hope to do today is to increase our understanding. I am certainly not a theologian. I'm certainly not a know-it-all. I'm on a journey of learning what the Word of God really means. And so today, I don't come to you as an expert. I come to you as a follower of Jesus that wants to get to know Him more, that wants to delve into His Word more and get greater understanding. And there's some things I wanna to touch on today that are crucial for me and for us to grow in our understanding of the Scriptures. And so when it comes to reading the Bible, we need to first of all, know and understand the context. Everyone say, know and understand the context. See, context is crucial. Hence where I got the title of my message today. Context is crucial. Abhijat Neskar said this, words are never good or bad on their own. Context makes them so. And Alan Key says, context is worth 80 IQ points. Context includes who wrote the Scriptures. It includes to whom were they written. It includes understanding the major theme. It involves what is God trying to say through the author? Now, as Pastor Dan mentioned on week one, the Bible is not a book, it's a collection of books. It's a library of books. 66 books compiled to make one book, written by 40 authors over 1,500 years in three different languages over three continents. It's a phenomenal collection of writings. 
And the whole Bible finds its context in four major themes. Creation, the fall, redemption and restoration. If you want to know the context of the whole Bible, those 66 books in four major themes, it's this, it's creation. That is God created a perfect world. And we as human beings were made in His image to steward the earth. We were created to walk in relationship with God. Secondly, the fall. Through Adam and Eve, we rebelled against God and have become corrupt. And even with God's direction and revelation, we still succumb to depravity and fall away from Him. Thirdly, redemption. This is where Jesus is up front and centre. Jesus is in every passage and every scripture of the Old Testament as much as He's in the New, but it's concealed. In the New Testament, Jesus is revealed. In the Old Testament, Jesus is concealed. But in the New, He's revealed. And He brings redemption. Jesus becomes human living a perfect life, teaching us how to live God's way and ultimately dying to atone for our sin and shame. Not only are we saved from our rebellion, but we can be transformed by His Spirit and belong to His community of believers, the church. This is good news. And that's what the word gospel means, good news, that we have been redeemed by Jesus. Which leads me into my fourth big theme, and that is restoration. At the end of this age, ever say end of the age, God will create a new heaven and a new earth. Sin and darkness will no longer rule, and we will receive everlasting life, and there will be no sin, there'll be no sickness, there'll be no poverty, there'll be no tears. Heaven will be greater than our best day on earth. Think about your best day for a moment. Heaven is far greater than that. And whenever we read the Scriptures, we've got to hold it in tension with these four major themes, creation, the fall, redemption and restoration. Creation, the fall, redemption, restoration. Everything we read comes down to those four major themes. No matter what we think, no matter what we feel, no matter what we presently understand, we have to keep coming back to the context of the Scriptures and the four major themes are creation, God created the world perfect. The fall of man, rebellion against God. Why do bad things happen? Because we rebelled against God. But God so loved the world that He restored it through Jesus Christ, His Son, bringing redemption. And then there is a coming a day, church, a glorious day, a great and glorious day, the Bible says, when He will come and collect His church and we'll live with Him forever. That's the context of the Scriptures. When it comes to understanding the Bible, I did hear a faint clap at the back. God bless you. God bless you. I'm working really hard up here. (sighs) Still nothing. Anyway, I'll move on. That could have been seen as a rebuke or just my insecurity. I don't know. Either way. Secondly, When it comes to understanding the Bible, not only do we need context, but we need to interpret Scripture with other Scriptures. The best way to interpret the Bible is with the Bible. 
In other words, what does this verse say in the context of other verses? When you just have your favourite verse on its own, it can be misleading. We have to weigh up Scripture with other Scriptures. And thirdly, when it comes to understanding the Bible, we need to apply what we've learned. In other words, the Bible is not a book to be studied. It's a letter from God to be lived. It's not a book to be studied. It's a letter from God, a love letter from God telling us how to live. And so what is the context of John chapter 14 that we've just read? Well, the author of the book, like the name would suggest, is John. John was one of the apostles, one of the 12 disciples. And the main theme of John 14 is about him preparing and making a way for us. That's why it says, do not be afraid. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. In my house is many rooms. I am the way, the truth and the life. When you go, when I go, sorry, I will send the Holy Spirit. That's the theme of John 14, the whole chapter. What's the theme of the whole book of John? It's to prove that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. And so right through the book of John, you'll see that in the beginning was the Word that the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh. This is us holding the Word of God in context and context is crucial. Can I just say this, that the Bible is a book about God. He is always the main character in the Bible, not us. Turn to the person next to you and say, not you, but Him. In other words, The Bible includes you, but it's about Him. It includes us. We're in the Scriptures, but it's about Him. We're there, but it's about Him. It's about His story, His life. It's about Him. When we read the Bible, we will see ourselves in it, but it's not about you. It's not about me. We're included, but it's not about us. Stop making it about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Him. Every word inspired by the Holy Spirit is pointing us to the way, the truth and the life. It's not about us, it's about Him. It's all about Him. From Genesis right through to Revelation, every author, all 40 of them were pointing us to Him. Every language, every continent that it was written on and written in was pointing to Him. It's not about you. The Bible's not about you. It's not about me. I know I've said that already this morning, but I just want to sit in this. It's about Him. We are here today, not for you. You're included. You'll get blessed, but it's not about you. It's about Him. It's not about your preference. It's not about the volume of the music. It's not about your seat. It's not about the decor. It's about Him. Church. It's about Him. It includes us, but it's not about us. It's about Him. Everything about Christianity is about Him. And we get this incredible privilege to be part of that story. It's a story about Him that we get to be a part of. It's not a story about us that He gets to be a part of. It's a story about Him. It is His story. And the Bible orients us and it directs us. 
It orients us by telling us who God is and who we are and why we were created. It earths us. I love that. When I read the Bible, it helps me by telling me who God is, who I am and why I'm here. It also directs us. We can learn from what has happened in the past to make God honouring choices today. What do bad things happen? Well, if you study the Scriptures, you'll see bad things happen because people are stupid. That's why. We do dumb things. And those people include us. Those people include us. We have our bracelets, don't we, Crystal? What would Jesus do? Well, He wouldn't do most of what we do. I can promise you that. It orients us and it directs us. Now, haven't even got to my scripture yet. <laughs> Knowing this, let's read our text again. What I want today to be is a practical demonstration of what Ben May spoke about. Here's the 10 things you should do. This is what it looks like for me. And context is king. Context is crucial. Context is key to understanding the Word of God. John chapter 14, verse 13 says, with all this context in place, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask of me for anything in my name, and I'll do it. What is the context of this particular verse? It's prayer. How do I know that? Because on two occasions, Jesus says, ask, not once, but twice. Tells us we can ask of anything, but we have to ask a certain way. The context here is prayer. Everyone say prayer. He highlights that we should pray and how we should pray. He said, we should pray so that. The word so that, whatever follows so that brings purpose and meaning to what I've just read. You should pray so that God, the Father in heaven, would be glorified. Again, there's very little of you or me in that. So can we please stop making prayer about us? Jesus said, ask anything in my name so that He might receive the glory. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me just ask you this. If I pray, God, give me a new house and you get your new house, but you're hocked up to your eyeballs in debt yeah. and you can no longer tithe yeah. Yeah. and you have to work extra long hours yeah. and you can't get to church yeah. and you're also too tired now because the extra long hours you're working to actually serve and help anybody. Yeah. Is God getting glorified? No, then stop doing it. Just stop doing it. Because God gets no glory in that. You having your nice home that you can't afford is not honouring to God. You having the nice car that you can't afford is not honouring to God. Or maybe you can afford it. But maybe because you have that new car, you want to use all your time driving that new car. And so now you can't serve. Now you can't get to church. If you're doing that, can I just say stop it? Because God doesn't get glory yeah. from you ignoring His body. 
from you saying no to helping and serving the body of Christ, the community of believers. This is not my preference. This is me taking Scripture and placing it in context. Jesus said, ask so that He might be glorified. Maybe, just maybe some of our prayers are not being answered because it's got nothing to do with Him being glorified and everything getting to... Everything about you getting what you want. And these are the tough realizations and revelations I've had to have of myself. And if you're being challenged today by this, good. Because why should I be the only one who gets challenged by this stuff? (laughs) I love God all the time, but I don't always like him. You know what I'm saying? He says some things to me I don't like. I love my wife, I don't always like her. <laughs> love our kids, don't always like them. Jeez. Growing up, I, I love my parents, didn't always like them. Yeah. And in those moments I didn't like them, it was usually had something to do with what they were saying about what I needed to shift, change, adjust in my life. Yeah. And when you're being asked to shift, change and adjust something in your life, it's not nice. And so, yeah, light goes out the window. But if we can hold on to love and realise that good fathers discipline those that they love. Are you following all this this morning? You see, when we make God the main character, it aligns our purpose with His purpose. And, And hopefully this series is helping us go back to God being the main character of Christianity. That God being the main character every time we open the Scriptures. Because when we make Him the main character of the story and the narrative, it changes our purpose. It changes how we see things and how we understand things. And it helps us to align not only purpose, but our faith. As I've been saying a lot of late, we put our faith in Him, not in outcomes. Now, we believe for outcomes. Every time I pray, we're believing for certain outcomes. But we don't put our faith in those things. Because outcomes come and outcomes go. But He endures forever. So our faith should always be firmly established and planted in Him. And because it's in Him, we believe for certain outcomes. I mentioned earlier on, we've seen lots of people die since I've been leading this church. Some tragic, some just because of you know, age and all the rest of it. But there's always a sadness attached because we miss people that are gone. But every day that there's someone in need, I'm going to keep praying for healing. Because my faith was never in outcomes. It's in the one who does not change. And because he has not changed, I'm going to keep praying in the one who does not change. Regardless of some of the stories. In actual fact, one of those young men that died in our first couple of years of leading the church just so happened to be involved in my very first wedding. My very first wedding had a young couple and seven months later, the young couple, the man in the marriage died. So my first wedding and my first funeral had the same guy in it. I didn't, I didn't learn how to manage that stuff in Bible college. So this is what you do. For that matter, I didn't learn in Bible college how to handle it when your youth pastor gets struck by lightning yeah. and dies. 
And, and I didn't learn in Bible college what to do with that, particularly in light of the fact that our youth pastor at the time was standing next to a young lady who also got struck by lightning and she's on the front row alive. I didn't learn that stuff in Bible college. It's stuff I'm still learning. But I come back to this. My trust and my hope and my faith is in Him. It's in Him. And that anchors me. And it gives me a hope for my faith. Because things happen that I can't explain. To this day, I cannot explain that to you. But I don't need to because my faith is not in things, it's in Him. And when I want my faith stirred, I go back to the Word of God so I can get the narrative of my life aligned with the narrative of God's story. Because it's a story not about us, it's a story about Him. And so I don't have answers for 2016. I don't have answers for, for why I was able to be involved in a wedding and a funeral with the same guy at such an early age. But this I know, God has never failed me yet. God does not change. And we place our faith in Him. I'm so off point. I don't even know where I am in my notes. One of the top reasons people walk away from God is because of unanswered prayer. I know probably every person to a man in this room today has probably wavered in their faith at some stage because God didn't do something for you that you asked for. And it causes us to have a crisis of faith. And so when He doesn't do what we think He should do, we conclude that He's not real, He doesn't care and He's not good. And none of those things are true. And we have to be coming back to the proper narrative. And it's a story about Him. And so when it comes to prayer, Jesus is saying, what matters to God is that He's glorified. Not that your prayers are answered. And if we can pray prayers that glorify God, guess what? You can ask whatever you want. Changes the narrative, doesn't it? And so I start thinking to myself, well, what else does the Bible say about prayer? Because we've got to compare Scripture with Scripture. What else? Because if God matters, if, if my prayer is being answered, comes down to what matters to God. And one of the primary things that Jesus said that matters to Him is that God be glorified. What else matters to God in my prayers? What else could be possibly hindering my prayers? As opposed to concluding God doesn't love me, maybe it's something to do with me. Maybe the brokenness is in me, not in God. And so what else, does, what else matters to God when it comes to prayer? These are the questions I ask myself. And I found some really scary answers. Do you want to be scared with me? Do you want to be confronted with me? Because I found not only does God being glorified in what I ask matter to God, but also my relationships I keep with people matters to Him. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, I believe that you will receive it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold Anything against anyone, forgive them. So my prayers being answered hinges on me forgiving someone. Ah, yeah. oh, come on, Lord. This, this is confronting to me. Because how many of us are living in total forgiveness of whatever anyone's done to us? Probably not many. So when we have a prayer meeting, we're wasting our time. 
Gee, it's quiet. You're a tough crowd today. <laughs> we need to deal with our relationships before we pray. Yeah. One of the things with parenting, I learned from being a kid and also being a dad, is this principle. Kids would come in. She hit me. He bit me. She called me names. And as a parent, like, Ugh. Ugh. and when they say she bit me, he hit me. Hey, Dad, can I get some? I promise you, whatever the ask is after that, I'm not listening, and I'm not even interested. And you're certainly not going to get what you want. Because that would just be dumb parenting. Letting a kid whinge and complain about your offspring. And then now, are you going to give them a lollipop? Are you kidding me? So say, hey, if you want a lollipop today or any time in the rest of your life, (laughs) ever again. You know, if you want to eat ever again. This is old school parenting. (laughs) Goes way back to Genesis, let me just say. If you ever want to eat again, you got to sort your stuff out with your brother. Because we don't do that here. I thank God for my dad. If I ever had an out with my brothers, my dad would not let it finish without me and my brothers. Usually me and Pete. Look him in the eye. Tell him you're sorry. Say you love him. Give him a kiss and hug it out. Oh, seriously? I've got to be honest with you. Little confession. Sometimes I did all those things just to get my lollipop. <laughs> but invariably, the process led me to just get into that place of forgiveness, healing, restoration. And it was good again. Yeah. Matters to God. Yeah. Our relationships matter to God. So, so maybe what God is saying to us is, hey, fix your relationship before you blame God for not answering your prayers. Yeah. Yeah. Secondly, what else matters to God? Your, ma- your motives matter to Him. Yeah. James chapter 4, verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. Yeah. Motives matter to God. I'll never forget when Mitchie was a young lad and, and I see JJ here today and, and we were away on holiday as a families uh, back in the day when they were much younger than they are today and, and the kids obviously loved their cricket and, and JJ was batting and I'll never forget Mitch. Mitch wasn't at silly mid-on, he was at ridiculous mid-on. He was like really close to the bat and JJ just being JJ just, you know, tonked it, boom. Not only did he tonk the ball, he tonked Mitchell's head. <laughs> And cracked him across the phone. There was blood everywhere and, and crying and tears and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And my question is, what was the motive of JJ? Was it to hit Mitch in the face? I still don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. 
And I know that because obviously Mitch fell down, he was crying, but I looked at JJ, JJ went white. All the blood, he was almost like, he had to take a seat because he was just feeling sick with what had just happened. He felt really bad. Motive matters. So do you think at that moment I told JJ off? Do you think I would let anyone else tell JJ off? No, because it wasn't, it was an accident. Which is a bit different than JJ walking around with a bat, just hitting every kid in the face. <laughs> which he did go on to do much later than I know. No. Motive matters. What's your motive? What's your motive? There are some people that pray for large sums of money. They start a business just to make lots of money. And their motive is to finance the kingdom of God. And there is lots of people in Christendom today that have advanced the kingdom because of that pure, beautiful, wonderful moment. And God in His wisdom says, man, I can't, yeah, have more money, have more money, have more money. But someone else says, oh, Lord, I want to do that. <clears throat> Lord, I want all that money to be able to advance the kingdom. He says, no, you don't. No, you don't. As if. And do you know the best way to judge your motive is what you do now. Yeah. If you can't tithe on your present income, you won't tithe when you've got more money. Because yeah. yeah. if you're earning $100, if you can't give 10, if you're earning a million, you're not going to give 100,000. You're not. Yeah. Yeah. What you do right now will determine your motive. Yeah. And so if you're struggling to tithe now, don't think for one moment if you had more money, you'd tithe. I, w- I would say you'd buy a new home yeah. and you'd buy a new car. Yeah. If you want to prove me wrong, start tithing now. Because church, in order for us to fulfil the bigness of the vision God has given us here as a church called Life in Adelaide, we need finance to fund the vision. It's as simple as that. So your motive matters. Your faith matters, number three. James chapter 1 verse 6 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave in the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Are you seeing the pattern here? Are you seeing the correlation between unanswered prayer? And it's got nothing to do with God. At this point, we have not read God did not answer your prayer because He doesn't love you. Not once have we read God doesn't answer prayer because He... He doesn't like you. What we're reading is what matters to Him. And what matters to Him affects how we ask. So who wants to be more effective in their prayers? Elijah was a righteous man and his prayers were powerful and effective. Why? Because he tapped into what mattered to God. And so when he prayed and It did not rain for three years. And then he prayed again and the rains came. God listened to Elijah, not because he loved him more, but because he was a righteous man who asked based upon what mattered to God. Your faith matters. And lastly, God's will matters. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. In other words, as I've said so many times already, you can't ask whatever you want and expect Him to endorse it. 
His will matters. And so when we come back to the original passage of Scripture, found in John chapter 14, Jesus had asked anyone in my name. See, the name of Jesus matters to God. You can't just ask any. There's a doorway. And Jesus is that door. And the name of Jesus gives you access into rooms, moments, occasions. We were in Melbourne just recently. Had the incredible privilege to be there for the opening of Life Melbourne's new building. Phenomenal, fantastic, amazing, awesome. Pastor Craig and Nadia doing a phenomenal job there. And prior to the opening service, they had a room where they extended invitation to those who had travelled far to honour our travelling and, and, and to be part of the night. And that room was filled with people who were there because of the name that they were connected to. Every person that was in that room knew Pastor Craig and Pastor Nadia. They were all connected to them. There was not one person in that room who didn't who's what are we here for? No one got in without being connected to the name, the Clarks. Us being connected to the Clarks, we're here, here's an invitation from Craig and Nadia. Well, come on in. The girl said, Oh, it's walking by, saw the light on, thought I'd drop in. Now, the connection to that name opened doors. And the connection we have to the name of Jesus opens doors. His name is powerful. One thing I've learned through reading the Scriptures over and over and over and over and over again, and God willing, I'll continue to read them over and over and over and over again. I made a commitment as a 15-year-old teenager to read my Bible on a daily basis. I'm now 54. I've been doing this every day for near on 40 years. And every time I go to the Scriptures, I keep seeing new things. Things I've read before, but I see it deeper. I see it different. And I'm so grateful. But in all those years, I've never, ever read that God does not answer my prayers because He doesn't love me. I've never read that God doesn't answer my prayers because He can't. I've never read that God can't, doesn't answer my prayers because He's not strong enough, wise enough. Never read that. But I've read a lot about the things I can do that can hinder my prayers. And... I'm a work in progress to this very day. I'm still working on all of that stuff. But one thing I've learned through reading the Scriptures all these years is what God is and what He's not. God is loving, He's caring, He's kind. But one thing He's not is a piñata. You can't hit Him hard until you get what you want. You'll never read that. God is not a genie. 
that'll give you your three wishes. You'll never read that. But you will read of a loving God who's so committed to you, who loves you just as you are, but loves you too much to leave you as you are. And He used everything in this world to help shift, change, and morph and transform us more and more into His image. And if that includes us not getting our prayers answered from His perspective, because remember, it's a story about Him, so be it. I hope every one of you gets to be of an age like I am, where you can look back often enough to say, I'm so glad God said no to that prayer. If you're, if, you're, if you're like that age and stage in life, keep going. I hope you hang around for another five months, five years, five decades. And that you get to the place where you're not cynical, but where you're grateful. Because you'll either get cynical or grateful. Either one of those two things will grow in our lives. And my prayer is that we would get better, not bitter. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.